Father, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord. We thank you for our opportunity for us to come and study your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your anointing go forth, and we ask you just to give us wisdom and guidance, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, last week, we talked about Titus, and we had, the, as, as I said, the introduction. We'll, we'll see a video in just a moment. But um, basically, Titus is talking a lot about the leaders and what kind of leaders and what they should be and the, the um, you know, good ones or bad ones. And, you know, um, we probably all had experience with good leadership and bad leadership in our jobs and whatever. And um, in my younger years, I experienced a um, couple of those, good and bad. But one I really in, in particular um, was a good leader who taught me a lot. And he, you know, he, he didn't just tell you what to do and how to do it, but he had your back. And that's, that's very important when you have someone that's a leader over you that, that they have your back. And if you're, you're doing the right thing, they'll, they'll back you up. And um, so, you know, um, even in teaching or anything else, you know, we, have bad, we can have good and bad leadership. And so we need to, um, I just tell you, you know, just kind of reflect on that um, about, you know, when you had a good leader, a good, bad leader, good, you know, boss, whatever it was, and um, think about that. And, you know, we've all had bad leaders that you just were like, oh, man, just, I need to get out of this situation because they're not a good leader. And they tell me one thing, but if something happens, then they're like, they don't back you up. Oh, I didn't tell them that, and I've had that happen in my life. So hopefully we've all, if we've experienced those. So this is what Paul is doing here with Titus, is, is he is showing, and uh, the guy Chip in this video will, will just give us a little more background. Last week he talked about they're on the island of Crete, and uh, Crete was quite a... Um, You know, if we just hearing him and thinking about what he just said, how um, you know we live in a culture that's changing so much, and we live in a culture that just what he said goes on all the time about the corporate place, about these these you know we have these different, and um, unfortunately things. Move. We, we don't see good leadership, not in just the f- fact of being good, but like he said, that are honest, to have inter- integrity and character. And they're the same outside as they are inside. And um, unfortunately, that's very rare these days. And everybody gets greedy and wants the money, and it's just sad. So, but as we look at this... Um, you've got your handouts and I'll be going through the questions that are on it. And the first one is, is why do you think that is what's in other words, in the beginning, Chip talked about, this is the longest introduction of any of Paul's writings, any of his books and any of his letters to the churches. And you know, why is that? Because 
you know, what, what, why would you think that is? Um, what's the, the, the um, significance? The question is, what's the significance about the introduction for the purpose of this letter? And um, the church in Crete, in Crete was facing a whole lot of things. And so, you know, Paul had established the church. Churches were being established all over the island of Crete. And, um, but they, they, they weren't, hadn't yet really been taught how they're supposed to act. You know, they hadn't been taught all these things. So the, the, it's kind of like you see a new believer in Christ that they're believers, but they don't really know what to do. They haven't been taught. And there's certain things when, when you accept Christ and the spirit of God comes in you that you know is not right and you change, but we have to be taught what to do. And so this is what. Paul sent Titus to do is you've got to go and you've got to teach these leaders what to do. Because if the leaders don't get it, the rest of the people won't get it. So you've got to get the leaders first. And, um, you know, in, in Crete, at that time, evil, evil behavior was viewed as good behavior. That was crazy. Just, you know, and, and we'll talk about that. Some, but look, look, just think what he said about the, um, and we'll go into that in a, few, in a couple of minutes, but just about the men, you know, they, have, they were a three-woman man. And some of us can't grasp that because where we live, you know, like, kid, and I know you ladies would be like, no way, you know. James would be a dead man. Darren would be a dead man. I'd be a dead man. We'd all be, you know, it's, a, it's just different because, but they had, all this stuff going on, and that was the culture of the day, and it was accepted. And unfortunately, some in our culture today, some of that's accepted also, unfortunately. But, you know, when we look at, if somebody says, well, you know, America wasn't based on Christianity. Yes, it was. Look at how we believe and how our families are set up and how that, you know, uh, there's a man and a woman. There's not a man and two women or three women or whatever. It's a man and his wife. And so... Yes, the, the, you know, we can look so much at, at, at how that is. And um, so the issue in the church, it begins with leadership. And, you know, it's like who gets to decide what is good and evil? Well, the Word of God does. And it's good men, good women teaching that. Um, so Paul um, went out of his way to, to qualify Titus to teach this. He qualified Titus with saying, you know, I know Titus and Titus received the gospel from me or I entrusted it to him through God and it was passed on to Titus. So God showed me and I showed Titus and Titus knows what he's talking about. Titus has learned it. So um, Titus, what Titus is teaching is not his opinions. It's what God's word says. So what Paul was doing when he wrote to the, the church there, he wrote to Titus and he he wrote to, he was like, this man's qualified to do what he's doing. I didn't just send him out there because I like Titus, you know. Um, but I, I sent him out here because I have taught him, I have mentored him, and he, is, he knows what to do. And he, he is, he is um, what he's teaching is correct. And um, so in, in verse 5, Paul describes what Titus's purpose is. It said, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint 
elders in every town as I directed you. So he's telling Titus, he said, look, you got to go there and do what I told you. I left and didn't have this done. It's unfinished business. So you got to go in there and you got to do this. And, you know, you could think about Titus, wonder how he felt. Now, I got to go in there and tell these people they're living wrong. They've been living wrong ever since Paul left. I got to go and tell them, and I got to find leaders who, who, who can do this and who can handle this position. And, um, and that was in every town, every local church. It had to be done. It had to be done that way. And so he's telling Paul, you got to do this. Um, and, so, and sometimes in this section here, appointing elders who love what is good, you know, sometimes we kind of, well, I'm going to skip over that because I'm not a leader in the church. Well, we're all leaders. All of us are leaders. We, we're leaders in our home. We're leaders in our job. We're leaders wherever we go. In other words, we have the opportunity to lead people, whether we're in the position of leader or are you going to teach this or that. You're still a leader, and everybody has that. You know, man, just our families, husbands and wives, you are leaders in your, your household. You, you are the leaders. You're the ones that bring your family up. And um, <clears throat> so you can't say, well, I'm not a leader. But yes, you are. You may not be a teacher in this specific area, but you are a leader. And um, so, you know, you say, well, why does it matter if I just skip this? Well, we're all called to make disciples. And we can reach people that I can't reach or, or, or someone, else, someone else can't reach, but we have to make disciples and the way we and we're all called to do that. He said, "Go and make disciples." And so he wasn't just talking about a few; he was talking about all of us. And one of the statements that he Chip said is, "You're the greatest Christian someone knows. Someone may not know any other Christians but you." And when I say that you're the greatest Christian someone knows, you are. The greatest Christian someone knows, whether you're good at it, you're good or not. So how you act, like he said, outside of the church. It's easy to come in the church building. It's easy to be around your church family. It's easy to be around Christians. It's easy to, you know, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. But when you get out in the world and you get out in, in your job and everything else, sometimes it's tough. But that's where you got to be the best that you can. You got to be what God called you to be no matter what the circumstance no matter what happens. And so um, we, you just, you know, keep that in your mind. You're, you're, the, you're the greatest Christian that someone knows. Someone know, doesn't know any other thing about who Christ is other than you. They don't know what a Christian is. And um, think about some of the areas. What are some of the areas in your life that God's given you discipleship opportunities Every one of us have had the opportunity to disciple somebody, to teach somebody, to bring them up. You know, places where you're able to influence people in the gospel. And in this day and time, it's, it's very, very important that, that we represent Christ. The way the world's going, the, even the way our country's going, we need to be a good representation of who Jesus Christ is, a good representation of what a Christian is. And, and, you know, and, and like he said, there's so much stuff out there. We taint ourselves by watching things, and we're all guilty of it. And, and, and we just, it, when we watch so much of certain things, and, you know, say watching TV or watching movies or 
just being in certain places in certain areas, we taint ourselves. We, it makes us hard, and it begins to break down morality. Those things can break down morality to where today there are so many churches. There are churches that are right around us that have accepted things that are totally against God's word, but it's all in the thing of loving. We've got to love them. Well, loving doesn't just mean you accept everything. Love means that you love them no matter where they're at, and you want to see them changed. So um, in the verses 6 through 9, Paul's given us the basic qualifications of an elder. Um, and there's like three categories here. There's marriage and family, personality and character traits, and devotion to God's word, and committed, commitment to teaching and preserving sound doctrine. Um, so let's go to the first part. Um, Paul in verse 6, he says, an elder must be blameless. And this, this means above reproach. In other words, having a good reputation. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it re refers to, I love this part here, it refers to consistent integrity. In other words, you're not perfect, but your integrity is consistent. You're the same outside the church as you are inside the church. You're the same in your job as you're out there on the the soccer field or the play, whatever you're doing, or you're out in a restaurant or wherever. You know, you, you ever been in a, with someone in a restaurant in the way they, and you were eating with them and the way they treated the waiter, the server, the waiter or the waitress, you wanted to crawl under the table and say, oh man, I didn't want to be in here with them. And they're supposed to be a Christian and you, you're, you're, rec you're attached to them. And um, so the integrity doesn't just stop. You know, we're here, or even at home, but anyway, and, and your children, you and just you and your family go out to dinner, and something happens, and you just rip the server up, you know, up one side down the other. Your kids see that, and your kids are like, "Oh, that's the way we're supposed to be. That's the way we're supposed to act." You know, so we we have to be very considerate that uh, you know, like I said, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means your integrity is consistent. And if that happens, and it was just a fruit thing then whoever's around you need to apologize to them and say you know I didn't I don't know what happened to me when I did that I, I think um feeling remorse and I think that's you know asking for forgiveness for it even to the person that you did it to is very very important and you know that's something I had to learn and I'm not perfect in it still but I had to learn because you know I would I would you know I could just go off on somebody and just and I learned how to go back and apologize I know in my marriage, I learned how to apologize to Peggy about th things like that. So we need to be above reproach or we need to be blameless. I, like I kind of like the, the connotation of above reproach. In other words, blameless kind of makes you think you're perfect, but you really can't be perfect. And then the next one, it says that um, faithful to his wife in here, or in the King James, it says the husband of one wife. And so like I said... Um, we, when we think about that, we like, well, you know, we, we, don't, we don't think about having more than one wife. So it's kind of hard, but, but you can put it in the context is one is one's who's devoted to his marriage. In other words, I'm devoted to my marriage. It's not, uh, um, you know, I would never think of having more than one wife. You know, I don't know how anybody could do that, but anyway, um, you know, displeasing one's enough. I'm just kidding. 
So, I mean, but, but just think about that whole concept makes not a lot of sense to me. Maybe, hopefully, it doesn't any of you guys either. Um, so, so, and we, we talked about, he talked about how the Cretes would have three wives and how they would have a wife and they would have um, temple harlots or whatever he called them. I mean, it was just crazy. And also, the second thing he talked about is the, um, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. The father of believing children. Um, I like one of the statements that he made in this. is in, A father engaged in intentional discipleship of his children. And that's from the time they're born to they're teenagers and beyond because, you know, our kids are our kids no matter what. And anytime we can speak into their lives, even when they're grown, all my kids are grown, we want to have times to speak into their life. If we see something awry, then we need to be intentional um, in mentoring them and discipling them. So it doesn't just stop, you know, oh, we'll, we'll get them all right till they get about 12. Well, you better not stop there because that's when it gets really tough. <laughs> When it starts getting older, I mean, when they get when they hit that teenage and all that kind of stuff, and it just it gets it, it gets different because they begin to have their own opinions more. They begin to have their own ideas, and they begin to see other people. Well, so and so does it. You know, their family does it, and they go to church. So why can't I do it? Well, it's, it, you know, you'll say, "Well, that's you living in my house. It's my rules, or whatever." So I mean, and it's it's tough. So. We need to have kids who, I would say, some, some spec well-behaved. And what I mean in that is, yeah, they may do some things, but they know that if they do, there are consequences. And the people around you know that your kids don't normally just do that. In other words, th th there's consequences to it. And, um, you know, we've ha seen well-behaved kids or not well-behaved kids. And, and uh, so we look at it kind of in that context. Um, In verse 7, it says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. So this is in the next um, section, personality and character traits. Not arrogant, not overbearing, or disregarding the opinions and interests of others. You know, you ever been, I'm, we all have had arrogant leaders, right? And that's not fun. Well, I know, you know, whatever. And, and, and it's tough to have ever, and they, they, they always tend to be overbearing and they could care less about what you think. And that, that's not a good situation to be in. You know, I've always felt like when I was in positions of management or whatever, I listened to what people say to me. You know, people are like, well, what do you think about this? You know, what if we did this or what if we did it that way? And I think, well, maybe there's some, let me think about it. You know, instead of going, well, no, I'm the boss, so you do what I say, no matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. There's no better way to do it than my way. And that's not a good place to be in. And um, even here in the church, we do that. I have, you know, Darren will give me his opinion about stuff. Even Robert now, other people in the church, so Pastor Bill, what if we did this? And, you know, this might be a good idea. Now, if you tell me that, I might say, you know, you need to do it. But um, so be careful. So they're not arrogant, not overbearing, and, 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 and they don't disregard other people's 
opinions and interests. You know, other people will have an opinion or maybe an interest in something, but hey, what if we could start doing this? What if we could do that? So we have to do that. Um, not a drunkard, not dependent on any substance that can control you. I like what he said, doesn't sit too long over wine. <laughs> Think about that. Didn't say it's a sin to drink a, bo a bottle of wine. It might be a sin to drink a bottle, a glass of wine or something. And I, I don't do that most of the time because I'm, you know, anyway, I brought up in a different era. And I, but, but I'm just saying that, you know, if I, it, what if I did that? What if you saw me, we came here tonight and I brought a bottle of wine and before I got up here, I could hardly stand up to go in front of you. You wouldn't want to listen to anything I said much, would you? Because, you know, I've shown that, that I'm not dependable. So it says, don't be a drunkard. In other words, don't be an indulger in anything. I, I could think that's not just about alcohol like he said any drug anything don't be an indulger of anything that can harm you and harm harm others um and then he says um not violent not pursuing dishonest gain he talked about them i guess they used to hit people back then or something i, I don't know but it, it just said don't hit people uh, not violent not leading through coercion and um, in other words, manipulation is a, is, a, is, a, is, is a kind of a form of being violent. You manipulate people in the, instead of bringing them and helping them and showing them you're, manip you're manipulating them. So don't, don't be violent. Don't be so overbearing and so violent in, in your leadings. Um, and he says, not quick-tempered. Not giving a drunk, it's not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. In other words, don't be not greedy. You know, let's let's do this, let's cut this corner. We'll make more money, but we'll just cut this corner. Let's just say I'm coming to your house to um, install heat and air, and, and I go, well, you know what? We got a whole bunch of you paid me for a brand new thing, but I got a bunch of used stuff out there I can just throw in there. We'll save a lot of money. It'll work, and then when it tears up, we'll just say, "We well, you know there's something wrong. We'll come back and charge you to fix it." No, you got to be honest with your doings, whatever it is. I was in, put in a position one time when I was asked to do something like that, and I said, "No, I'm not going to do that. If I have to pay for it myself, I'm going to pay for it myself and do it because I'm the one that told them we'd do this." So we got to not be greedy, not be out just for gain. Um, we have to be hospitable self-controlled upright holy and this must be hospitable one of the different things that he said in his um, guide here was someone who loves strangers see their needs and seeks to meet them a lover of strangers in other words you love people and you want to help them and you want to help them any way that you can so you want to be hospitable to those around you want to you want to show that that, that, you know, that's what the nature of a Christian is, is to be hospitable, to try to accommodate people. A lover of what is good. A lover of what is good. In other words, you love, good, you love what's good, you love what's right. You know, and, and, and as he talked about the whole thing of, of watching things, doing things. You know, you, you are and you do whatever you dwell on. 
that's why it's important to dwell on God's word and to dwell on those good things. Whatever you dwell on, that's what you're going to do, and that's what you'll be. And um, whatever your heart dwells on. So if, I'll, if, you, if you never open your Bible, except when you come here on Sunday or Wednesday night now or whenever, and you just only do it, and, you, you know, every day there's, it's just watching this, watching that, listening to this. You know, even reading a good book, it's nothing wrong with reading a good book, but you've got to get into God's Word sometimes. Whatever you dwell on is who you are and it's what you are. And you wonder why when things happen, well, why didn't I think about that? Well, you can think about things. You don't have to necessarily, memorizing is good. You don't have to necessarily memorize it. You don't even have to know exactly where it's at. But when you're in a place, you're like, wait a minute, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but I know I read it. And that, that's what I'm supposed to do. So, so we need to, uh, to um, love what's good. It says being self-controlled. In other words, you're not driven by your passions. You're not the, the whole, you're, you're self-controlled. You're not driven by just by your passions, but you can control those passions. You can control those feelings. You can control those things that sometimes you might want to say that you really don't need to say. You don't bark out at somebody, but you be self-controlled. Upright. Upright means to be fair and committed to doing what's right. I'm, I'm committed to do what's right. I want to do what's right. Hopefully everybody in here wants to do what's right. And sometimes you have to be told what's right. Some of you don't know exactly what's right. But that's why I'm saying it's very important we stay on the word of God. And then the last one in verse 80 says, holy and disciplined. Holy actually means to be set apart from the world, fearing what God thinks more than what others think. In other words, are we willing to stand up for what the word says? Are we willing to stand up for what God says? Or do we think more of what somebody might think about us? And, you know, it's, that's how a lot of things have happened, unfortunately. We get into some bad situations that way. Um, we have to be, it says in verse 9, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message. In other words, we're devoted to God's word. and We're committed to teaching and preserving sound doctrine. So hold firm to the trustworthy word basically means you're able to give instruction in sound doctrine and you're able to rebuke those who contradict it. That's a hard thing. It's one thing to give sound instruction, but when somebody contradicts what the Word says, you've got to be willing to rebuke that. You've got to be willing to say, whoa, no, that's not right. I'm telling you what the Word says, and I'm standing by it, and I'm not going to allow you to contradict what God's Word says. I'm going to allow you to change that and to change that in, in me. And then, he, then Paul, you know, he, he talks a lot in this. He, he's pulling this whole thing together as um, a connection between a person's home life and his leadership. And what he does in the home, he'll do in the church. I have, if you see a person and this is the way he's acting, saying, and he acts like that, most likely that's what he does in his home. It's the same way. Hopefully, he doesn't do different in the church than he does in his home, he or she, whatever. But um, so if you have, so what he's telling Titus, View what this person does in his home. How's his home life? What is his home life like? You know, in other words, how does he run his family? 
That'll tell you if he's going to be a good leader. Because if he doesn't run his family well, then he's not going to make a good elder. And you don't want to put him in that position. Because Titus had a lot on him. Titus had to go in here. I don't know how long he was there. I, pr I probably should have looked that up. But here he is. He's, in, he's there and he's got to go figure all these people out. And figure out who's good and who's not. So, um, there, there are a lot of um, things that Paul was telling Titus to do. And so, Titus had to view. Titus didn't just go in and say, well, I like the way you look and you look and you look. And he didn't just come in there and say, well, what do you think about this guy? No, he, he, he had to come in and view them himself and say, hey, you know, let's, let me check out his family life. You know, maybe I need to go visit his house, see how he runs his household. You know, I'd love to come by your house and talk to you and see what's going on. And then you, you view that. Um, so one of the uh, characteristics Paul listed, what, there were a lot of characteristics, but what's some that might just think about some that stood out to you? I really want next week, I want you to go ahead and, you know, when we get ready to, to read ahead, read the next, uh, the rest of the chapter and think about things. So maybe we can have a little more of a discussion type. I'm going to ask you a question and you can really have thought about it and can discuss it. Um, so he said, when he said, um, one of the things that stood out to me is a lover of good and, um, so the, it, it, in other words, this list is not just about outward things. It's about inner things. And if you, if you don't, you can't really be the lover of good if it's not inside of you. You really can't, I can't um, show to you something that I really don't believe. I can't show to you something that's not inside of me. I can't show you love if love's not really inside of me. I can't show you those things. I can't be what I really am not, not effectively. You know, because sometime or another it's going to slip up. It's going to come out. Well, you know, he, he says that, but he's really not that. So, um, if it's, if, if um, this stuff's aimed, it, this whole list is kind of aimed at the, the content of a heart. And so, if you look at it in that way, how does it change the way you view the qualifications that Paul lists? You know, if, if you're a product of, if we're a product of what we put in our mind, how, um, I'm just read this question. How should that inform the way you approach certain areas of your life, such as entertainment, work, and future plans? In other words, if we're a product of what we put in our mind, then I would say too, is that we need to make sure that we guard whatever we put in our minds. We need to guard what we put inside of us. You know, we just don't let anything or anybody throw their junk at us. We say, well, wait a minute. You know, the, there's an old saying years ago, it's garbage in, garbage out. Because whatever you put in, that's what's going to come out. You can't expect to put in everything but God's word and expect God's word to come out when you're in the right place. You can't go into... Somebody said, oh, I want you to come, you know, speak to my group. You're not going to have it in you. It's not going to come out. It's not going to come out right. So God um, tells us in his scripture 
that our actions flow from the content of our heart. Our actions flow from what's on the inside of that. And true good begins with a heart transformed by Jesus Christ. It changes us. It changes who we are. You know, and think about who's been a model leader in your life. Who, who has that been? And what, 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 what made their leadership especially effective? You know, um, in this list of qualifications, one of the important things that Paul talks about is remaining anchored in the unchanging word of God. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Anchored in, remaining anchored in the unchanged word. You know, God's word never changes. It's the same as it was. It was written a long time ago, but it's the same today. And it's, it's what brings us from where we were to where we are. You know, the, um, and so in this whole thing, it kind of clarifies what the job of the church is. The job of church leadership is not to fashion new teachings but it's for us to remain steadfast in the unchanging word of God. It's the same as it was yesterday and today. We can't change the gospel. We may change the way we present it, um, but we can't change what it says. We can't change what it is. We can't say, well, you know, let's tweak this because the culture's a little bit this way today, so let's just back off that a little bit so that the culture can, you know, so that they'll listen to us. Well, they might listen to you, but they're not hearing anything. Because you're just telling them that it's okay to do what they do, the way they do it. So we have to be very, very careful of that. And um, that's why Paul, in, in, in verse 9, the last part of it, he, he tells them um, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Rebuke those who contradict it. Rebuke those who go against it. Say, no, this is not right. This is what God's word said. Let's go in here and read it. Let's just don't twist it. And make it what we want to do. Um, and it's very disheartening to see. Um, I've seen over the years people that, you know, what's really sad is that, that people that you thought were like, you know, wow, man, they really. And then all of a sudden things start changing and changing. And then you see them twisting the gospel to meet their lifestyle. And that, that's, that will never work. You can't twist the gospel to meet your lifestyle. You have to twist your lifestyle to meet the gospel. In other words, your lifestyle has to change to be what God's word says it needs to be. So this life of integrity is something that all believers need to aim for. Not just elders. They say, well, he's an elder. He has to do that. Well, no, he, he, <laughs> everybody, everybody has to aim for that. Everybody has, um, whatever role we're placed in, whatever role God puts us in, it is a form of leadership, whether we know it or not, or whether we believe it or not, it's a form of, of, of leadership. It's, it's not, um, you know, we can't say that we're never leaders. We are, we're all leaders in a certain place or a certain amount we may not be in a place where we lead a bunch of people but like i said we're either leading our family members we're leading our kids we're leading those around us those in our job we're leaders to them and whatever we do they look at like you said 
that you're the best, you're the greatest Christian that somebody knows. You're the greatest representation of Christianity that somebody knows. Whether that's good or bad, you're the best that they know. And hopefully, you want to be the best that you can be. You want to be the one that stands up for God's word. You know, and, and that's why I think this, this whole thing is awesome because it just doesn't teach us. Well, some of you might say, well, I'm not coming because I'm not going to be a leader. Well, it's not just talking about those leaders. It's talking about all of us. And, um, you know, in, in the next week, we'll be talking about um, how, how to rebuke those fail to do good and basically how how do you do that you know what what do you say to them how do you do it effectively you know you don't just blast somebody but you got to do it in a certain way i um but we need to um look at what god has given us to do we're christians we're leaders whether we're you know whether we end up leading kids at the church like i said we're you know some of us are teachers um, you got the preschool teachers. They're, they're leaders for those kids. You got, you know, what, no matter what you're doing, you got school teachers, you have um, mamas and papas and everything that are teachers. And so we need to learn to do that. Um, anybody got um, just any little thing that you'd like to add to what we said or? Anything we need to, you'd like to discuss? We don't have but just a couple of minutes, a few minutes. Like I said, we're going, to, we're trying to keep our time right, and I believe God can give us the grace to do that. Um, I um, thank God that for you guys that come have come out, and thank God that we have the opportunity to do this. And like I said, if you say well, I need to hear that some more, you can go on our website and look, and click on podcast at the top and. Even our Sunday morning services now are on audio, the teachings and everything. So you can go in there and pull that up at any time and listen to it um, at home, going down the road, whatever. Um, we don't have the videos because we don't want you watching it going down the road. Amen. I hope y'all are enjoying this. I hope it has meaning. And we have, um, I hope you're enjoying being able just to come and be able to, you don't have to rush from work or wherever, cook a meal, you know, whatever. Um, the next month we will, um, what do we have in the next month? To eat? <laughs> there, I don't remember either. Chicken bog, and we'll have some other things that everybody eat. Um, there'll be some vegetables and some, do what? Yeah, so we we got the next two weeks off on Wednesday, because it's the fifth Wednesday, like he said, and then the first of the month. And um, a couple of things I want to pray, and I want us to pray about. Um, Mike sent me this afternoon that he and Ruby wouldn't be able to come because her son, she had to take him to the hospital, and he, they had suspect of a stroke, and he's had one before, and so they just asked us to pray for them and pray for him. His name is Mitchell. And um, so we'll just remember him and him in prayer. It was another. Pray for our trip. 
the Nicaragua, you know, the, it's, it's, it's like it's coming up and it's getting close. And we have all these things because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, all these extra things we have to do to be able to go. So just pray that that all goes right and well. And um, it's exciting. We're actually going to be doing a couple of pastors' conferences. And, and then uh, they, Darren and Robert are going to, uh, Robert's dad and Rick's going with me. We will be doing a couple of pastors' conferences. Darren and Robert are going to be doing some uh, children's teacher conference. And, and a, we're taking all the VBS stuff. We have it in Spanish. And we're taking it down there. And we're going to give that to them. And Darren and him is going to uh, help them in you know, and how to, to do what they need to do with that. And so it's, um, it's going to be exciting. So praise God we didn't get to go last year, but and we'll be going back in July again. We, always, we already have a pretty good-sized crew that's wanting to go in July, and it's, it's going to be good. And we'll be, you know, doing the VBS, and we'll be doing some building. So if you want to go work, you can come and do that. And I think... That's it. But let's pray. I want to pray about these things. Father, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We lift Mitchell up to you and Ruby and all those up to you. Lord, we just pray for Mitchell and pray that you would touch his body and heal him, Father God. We don't know the diagnosis, just suspect of what it could be. But we pray, God, that you would give wisdom to the doctors and, Lord, you would just touch his body, Father, and be with Ruby and Mike and the whole family, Lord. Pray that you be with them as they... Um, are going through this, this thing, Father God. And we, we lift up our trip to Nicaragua. We thank you, Lord, for just making a way in the pathway, making it clear, making it straight, and our safety there, on the way there, there, and on the way back. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve you. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.